0: Every team, every topic, everywhere, this is Believe. This is the Burgundy Network Podcast with Josh Taylor. H-T-T-R. What's up, Redskins Nation? Welcome to another episode of the Burgundy Network podcast. As always, I'm your host Josh Taylor, and this episode is brought to you by the team at Manscaped, who is the best in men's below-the-belt grooming. Manscaped offers precision-engineered tools for your family jewels. Today on this episode, I want to dive deep into the uh, undrafted free agents that the Redskins signed soon after the draft. Um, it was really interesting because there wasn't many of them, so you know, to me, I think each one of these four guys has a particular role. Um, that Ron Rivera and company was really attracted to and decided to bring them in. So I just wanted to dive into it a little bit. There's a couple of these guys that I knew really well going into the draft um, that I kind of just kept an eye on throughout their last college season. But there's two guys where I didn't really get a chance to take a look at you know, throughout their college career. so I had to kind of dive deep into it a little bit and uh, take a look and see what they had to offer. Uh, but first up was Steven Montez. and Steven Montez is a guy that I actually decided to take a look at going to his senior season to kind of pay more attention to, um, in addition to Jordan Love. But taking a look at Chenault, I was really interested in him uh, his last few seasons in college. It kind of led me to be attracted to what Steven Montez brought as a quarterback. And to be honest with you, he really impressed me. There's some things he obviously needs to work on. Uh, but the one thing that you can't teach is big frame and size. And to me, Montez has the perfect frame for what you want in an NFL quarterback. He's 6'4", 231. Like I said, he just has that big frame. He's hard, to, he's hard to bring down. He's not afraid to you know use his legs and make some plays on his feet and extend the plays. Uh, but his last three seasons at Colorado were very similar stats-wise. In 2017, he had 18 touchdowns and 9 interceptions with just under 3,000 passing yards and a 60.5 completion percentage. And In 2018, he had 19 touchdowns, 9 interceptions, 2,850 yards passing and 64 completion percentage. So his completion percentage went up in 2018. Um, And then 2019, 17 touchdowns, 10 interceptions, 2,808 yards, and a 63% completion percentage. Um, And like I said, one bad man at wide receiver with Chenault. Um, So I really wanted his 2019 season to look a little better. You know, I was expecting like 22 touchdowns and like eight interceptions possibly and hit that 3,000 mark for the first time at Colorado. It just didn't happen. So it kind of left some people, you know, in the college football scouting world wanting more and just wanting to see what exactly um, he could bring to the table and was kind of disappointed in his senior season just because it kind of just felt like he uh, stagnated through his college career and didn't really improve. Just kind of Stated at that one tier. Um, but he was the 12th ranked quarterback in the draft class, according to Jordan Reed of the Draft Network. Um, but his pros, he's a great leader and he's a team captain. And he has a really good mental makeup. And he's a, he's just a good guy, good character. Um, actually heard that a lot from uh, people at Colorado. I was surprised because when I shared a picture that I made that he got signed by us, there was so much support from Colorado that came onto that post and was like, hey, good guy, like, Happy for him. Glad to see he's on a team. Uh, so he, just, he definitely had a lot of support from the Colorado fan base. Uh, but Like I said, his, his frame is phenomenal. I love that big-body quarterback who can still run the ball and just lower his shoulder and take hits. You're not afraid um, to see him you know, get hit by anybody. He has really good arm strength. Um, and he's not afraid to let it rip. He'll throw it downfield in a heartbeat. Um, he's, he's good at moving out of the pocket and making plays, like I said, on his feet. And he can throw in the run. So that's something we see, you know, Haskins doing, you know, with RPO and uh, play action, kind of rolling out and uh, making plays on his feet, but also, like, getting out of the pocket and uh, making making the pass downfield. So that's something he does well, too. But he does have some cons. Um, He's said to not, you know, have the best mental clock. You know, he has a tendency of tucking the ball early or maybe, you know, throwing it somewhere he doesn't need to go. And as you can see, I mean, 10 interceptions last season – um, but he just he's not as patient as he should be in the pocket. He kind of thinks his clock is running out faster than it really is. Um, and he needs to just work on his accuracy and just pocket awareness. but that's all things that can be fixed in the NFL. And if he's in the right system, I feel like uh, he could definitely get that uh, fixed. but he doesn't have the best uh, ball speed awareness. so what that means is you know sometimes you gotta kind of float it over a defender. And he'll just rocket it in there. You know, like when you're playing Madden, you hold the button to do a bullet pass instead of just lobbing it into uh, the, the receiver. So he kind of has that tendency. Like I said, he has no problem getting the ball downfield. He has a cannon of an arm. He just needs more awareness of the kind of touch, is what I would say, of what he needs to put on each pass. And it just depends on, like I said, where the defender is, what the window looks like, um, and kind of just working on that. But like I said, all things that he can work on. I really think that Montez could be a really good uh, project, and I think he'll be a really good practice squad player for the Redskins. Um, and like I said, it gives them that time to work on those things, uh, like the mental clock and you know putting the touch on the football and stuff like that. Uh, but I think what people are waiting for is for him to take that next leap um, in production that just really didn't happen at Colorado. Uh, but honestly, I'm really high on Montez just because he has the things you can't teach. And he just needs to tweak a few things. And I feel like a lot can just fall into place for him. To be honest with you, I think Kyle Allen's a decent quarterback. But I feel like in the long run, this might be a hot take. But I feel like Montez could be a better quarterback than Kyle Allen. Um, I mean, we saw Kyle Allen. He started hot, but he kind of fell off at the end of the season. It just seemed like a big-time fall off, you know, turning the ball over and just having terrible games, especially against us. Um, But I just I feel like if Montez puts in the work, he has the potential um, to, to be a better quarterback than uh, Kyle Allen. And, you know, having that depth, you know, Alex Smith is still in the books, absolutely, but, you know, we expect him, or at least I expect him, to be off the books um, by next season, well, after this season. Um, so having that depth is really nice, and like I said, it gives him time to work on his game at the in the practice squad um team and Kyle Allen kind of being that backup. But you know, God forbid we've seen in the past how quick things can change. You know, and Haskins got hurt for the last two games of the season last year. Um so it kind of just puts in perspective, you know, anything can happen and it's good to have a plan. And it's good to have a guy like him that can sit, work on some things, get ready if his name's called, you know, Kyle Allen is still obviously quarterback too. But like I said, I honestly feel really good about Montez and I think you know, In like a two-year stretch, he could potentially move up to a QB uh, 2 as a backup. A few things he needs to work on, but honestly, I think his best game and his best tapes came in 2018 against Nebraska, where he threw it for a whopping 50 times. He had 33 completions uh, for 351 yards, 3 touchdowns, and no interceptions. Um, and his worst game by far was 2019 versus Oregon. He threw it 34 times with only 19 completions. Uh, for 131 yards, zero touchdowns, and four interceptions. So, I'm definitely going to keep an eye on him to see how he's progressing. Um, another reason why I really hope that we have training camp because honestly, I, I really like seeing these guys practice. And you see him, you see Kyle Allen. Obviously, Haskins taking reps, but it's just I don't know. It's just something in me. I like seeing these players kind of progress and actually have like a spot saved in my notes. Like if we do have training camp, to just check this guy out and see how he looks based off of the things I said that he needs to work on and uh, just kind of see what his progression is like. But still, good quarterback. Getting him in the UDFA is something I projected um, the Redskins would do. Some people wanted us to draft a quarterback late. I just feel like that would be a waste of a draft pick. Um, So I thought, you know, signing a guy was inevitable. I mean, we do it every season. I mean, if you remember training camp last year, we brought in like three or four guys um, in the quarterback spot, and they were working out after practice at training camp. Um, so I mean it, it's it's just part of you know having that depth if anything happens not saying this is a quarterback competition or anything like that but I like Montez and he could uh, potentially turn into a uh, a doable backup in the uh, the NFL I think that's his ceiling um, just come in be depth player do your role be a good locker room guy and uh, provide some depth and this next guy I have been very vocal about since back in december it seems like or january even um thaddeus moss out of lsu the tight end and you know i'll I'll first you know say like i'm happy with where we got him at and you know people people know i'm very critical of him i I haven't liked him it's not just because he played at lsu and you know i'm an alabama fan but you know he played a very short time at NC State, and then he transferred to LSU in 2017. But he didn't see the field until 2019 at LSU. Uh, he finished his 2019 season with 47 catches, 570 yards, and four touchdowns. No drops is like the biggest note on his season. Um, his pros is he's best as an inline blocker, and he helps the run game. And to be honest with you, he was probably one of the better blockers in the draft, if not the best one. Um, he just has very reliable hands, didn't record a single drop like I said, and he was used mostly on short slants, shallow crosses, and uh, quick outs. And he can be physical and he can break tackles, so that's, that's what he's mostly known for. Like If it's third and short, if you're in the red zone, I think he's a good target. Um, don't expect him to run you know, a 30-yard vertical route and uh, it's going to take him a few minutes to get there. But once he does get the ball, he can break some tackles. Um, He's best when he can sit in the soft spots in the zone coverage and not force to run uh, polished routes. And that's something you saw in the national championship game. That first touchdown, he he was able to sit in the zone, um, and he was wide open in the end zone, literally just standing there when uh, Joe Burrow threw it to him. So that's what he does best. He finds that soft spot, kind of just sits, waits for the ball, and uh, he can make some plays afterwards. Um, but his cons, he is really slow I think it's a good thing that he didn't run the 40 I mean, I guess hindsight, it could have been good If he would have you know, improved what people were expecting He might have been drafted um, But today's NFL just seems to be evolving into vertical tight ends That can run routes, spread the field, spread the offense And Moss is the complete opposite of that it's really hard for him to get out in the second level. He isn't fast enough to get separation, and he has to rely on his hands and just physicality. You know, He did have surgery, and his foot right after the combine physical revealed that he had a fracture, um, so that's just something to keep an eye on. Also, it might have hurt his draft stock. Um, but I was always just so critical of Moss because of the value he was given by the Twitter GMs saying that he was an option in the third and fourth round to me was comical. And that one guy still owes me a hundred dollars saying that he would be picked within the first 66 picks, which to me is just, it's mind blowing that people would actually thought that it was just because all the hype coming out of this guy, having his last name playing quote unquote, the biggest game of his life in the national championship game, which was like two touchdowns for like 40 yards or something that he was wide open on. Um but he just got this huge hype and I you know, and I, I I was critical and I'm glad that we got him because we got him as a UDFA. We didn't draft him in the 4th round like some of y'all wanted us to, which to me like and it, there was some surprises like uh Hunter Bryant. I had him, you know, going possibly in the 4th round and he went undrafted, so It's just It tells you that anything can happen in the draft and you really just have to take a look at the player and see how they match up in the NFL. I think that's what um, struggles with Moss because I honestly just saw him as a 6th rounder. Um, He only had that one season of real production and people said to me over and over that he had the biggest game of his life in the National Championship. But I don't know what y'all were watching. Like two touchdowns, yes. But one, he was literally standing wide open in the end zone, not even running just it was was all play calling he was just standing there in the end zone like I could have thrown it to him and the other was just a regular short route like I said that he specializes in like it was like 10 yards like okay that was nice and it was for a touchdown but like it was nothing in that game said to me like wow this guy is just going to terrorize the NFL like that was half of his touchdowns for the whole entire season and I understand you know when you do have all these good wide receivers but I feel like there should have been more you know, Moss isn't that next Kittle. obviously, that people, like, think that he could possibly be. I do think he could be a tight end three who does what he did in the National Championship game and runs short routes, and he could be a good end zone threat, possibly. Um, and he could be an H-back for the Redskins, and I think that's why he got the number 46, because he could really kind of play that role. The inline, you know, blocker slash H-back um, that could really help out in the run game. And you could definitely pull up some plays where he could, you know go as a blocker and then go out on, like, a short route, third and short, or, you know, you're in the red zone looking for a touchdown. Um, there's There could be some plays where he could actually, you know, make some big plays. But I'm saying, like, he's not going to put up 300 yards a game. Like, he will never, ever have the production that Kittle or uh, Kelsey or even, like, Ertz or someone like that has. To me, he's just, like, a fullback, tight end, hybrid in a way. And I, that's why I think he, he would be a good H-back for us. Um, If he makes a team, and I think he will based off of that alone. And to be honest with you, I think going um, into camp, um, I think we'll have four tight ends. I think that he would be one of the final ones just because he could be that H-back for us. You know, I forgot who it was, but I think Coley said that he could see Harmon as like an H-back. And that, to me, that's I, I would never put Harmon as an H-back. If you have Thaddeus Moss on the team, uh, I think that it would be the inevitable and, you know, Red zone, you want a fullback, put in or if you want, you know, an inline blocker on the end playing in the tight end spot, then cool, let let him come in in the red zone when you're trying to run AP or Geis, or whoever up the middle on like the one or two yard line. Um, that would be a huge advantage. So that's what I think he would bring to us. He's not going to be your physical route running tight end. He will never have a route that goes beyond ten yards. I can almost promise you that. Because by the time he gets to yards 10 plus, Hastings is going to be on his ass or the, the ball is going to be somewhere else. So I'm, ha- I'm happy with where we got him. I know I've been critical of him. People know that I was roasting him throughout the entire draft process. But getting him as a UDFA, like, value wise, it doesn't get better than that. I think that's exactly, you know, I had him as a sixth, seventh rounder, and UDFA is even better than that. So happy we got him. I think he will make the cut. And uh, it's interesting to see what he does in the NFL. It's third and long. The quarterback's got to shave some yards off here to have any chance to score. Let's see what he does. He drops back. He has a guy downfield, but he doesn't see him. He tries to hand the ball off to a cheap razor. Boom, he's nicked in the sack. It's a fumble, and the ball is going the other way. That one's going to hurt for a while. What in the world was he thinking? Let's go to the monitors and see exactly what went wrong. You know, this offseason, his coaches at Manscaped enhanced the lawnmower 3.0 offense to a whopping 7,000 RPM motor with quiet stroke technology. They gave him all the chances he had to get that safe, clean cut up the sideline with the cutting edge ceramic blade, but instead he got nicked on the sack by a rusty defense. If he would have used the LED light that comes with the 3.0, there is no doubt he would have been able to see his playing field much better. Looks like he's going to be going over to the sideline with his Manscaped coaches. Grab the tablet, see what went wrong, and if he's smart, he's going to go over to manscaped.com and use the code BNP20 to save 20% off his entire cart with free shipping. That's right. Use code BNP20 to save 20% off your entire cart with free shipping. Don't keep making the same mistakes and give your balls a clean pocket next time. And there's no doubt, the result will be a touchdown. But then we have two guys that are going to contribute in the offense um, that can fight for a roster spot, both unique in their own uh, abilities and the first one is Isaiah Wright 6'2 220 he was a senior at Temple wide receiver um, but he's also another one of those guys like Gibson that could be a hybrid like the running back role um, he's just another offensive weapon listed as a running back wide receiver he was using the wildcat run plays receiver kick returns you name it he did it so 2017 46 catches for 668 yards four touchdowns 25 rushes for 188 yards, 1 touchdown, and 300 kickoff uh, returning yards for 1 touchdown. 2018, he had 33 catches. His yards dropped for receiving in 368 yards and 3 touchdowns. Um, But he had 19 rushes, 84 yards, 1 touchdown, and a whopping 873 kickoff uh, return yards with a touchdown. So, to me, that's where he excelled the most uh, for his 2018 season. And then he capped off his senior year. Had a little bit of a decline at the back half of the season, Uh, but he had 47 catches, 442 yards, five touchdowns um, in the receiving game, and he had five rushes for 48 yards, 554 kickoff return yards. So just an all-purpose guy that can put up numbers, you know, wherever he is on the field. He's not going to excel in one thing. Um, I feel like he is, you know, a fast guy that could. He's a he's a better route runner than Gibson. Um, absolutely, but I think they kind of would fill the same hole. So, you know, his, his career averages and receiving was 11.6 yards per catch. That's pretty dang good. Um, 6.1 yards per rush, and he averaged 24.2 uh, yards per kickoff return. So, I mean, that I mean, those, are, those are big numbers. Like, if you're putting up numbers like that in three different aspects of the game, um, then, then you're definitely, you have a shot at making a roster. I think Isaiah Wright could be a guy that slips in um, but it just really depends. I can't, you know, stress enough how much, you know, training camp is going to help some of these guys make the roster cuts. And I think Isaiah Wright is one of the guys that could come in and maybe, you know, take a spot like Darvin Kinsey and, um, you know, kind of play like that slot role, maybe uh, like an offensive weapon, but, you know, take that roster spot of like a Kinsey. Um, but his pros, he's very athletic. He's just a true weapon and a special teams weapon with four he ran a four four forty, um, has insane agility and the ability to make defenders miss. He has a really good knack for going up and getting the ball. He's physical. Uh, he has a great release and acceleration. And uh, he has one of the top double moves. I mean, this guy is filthy route running. Um, his, his cons is he hurdles way too much, and that might not sound like a con, but um, you know, you do that one too many times in the NFL, you're gonna have ball security issues, uh, you're definitely gonna get hurt. And like I said he just he completely disappeared in the second half of the season. No idea why to be honest with you. He only had 10 catches for 81 yards and zero touchdowns his final 6 games. Um, so like to me like his 2019 season if he would have done the first half, you know, if he would have done the second half of what he did in the first half, he would have had a phenomenal season. I think he would have got more hype. But you really have to wonder like what the heck happened in those final 6 games to where you fell off like that. Um, and it's interesting because the player comp that I've seen by him by a couple people is actually Cody Latimer. So um, I think he's I think he's a better runner than Latimer. I think he's a better kickoff you know return uh, specialist than Latimer. I think receiving wise they might be about the same. Um, like I said, 6'2", 220, That's exactly what I'm looking for. Um, so I mean maybe he's <laughs> he's maybe he's going to compete with his comp uh, to see who makes that cut um, for the team. So. Like I said, he's, he's another one of those guys that Ron likes that can do a little bit of everything, and he's that versatile receiver that Ron's looking for. And then finally, there's Jonathan Johnson, the uh, redshirt senior out of Missouri. The wide receiver is 5'10 and 180, uh, slot guy. And not a lot of people know this, but he was teammates with Emmanuel Hall at Missouri that is currently on the roster, so uh, he'll definitely be seeing a familiar face. Um, when he shows up to camp um, he, he did battle a shoulder injury last year um, and it kind of you know hindered out his stats uh, but he was one of drew Locke's favorite players you know with emmanuel hall when uh, Locke was there he had to transition to a new offense with kelly bryant um, who still had a pretty good season but to me like the stats were still there he had back-to-back seasons in 2017 and 18 with over 700 receiving yards and five plus touchdowns both season as a slot receiver. And then, like I said, he had that shoulder injury, kind of hindered him a little bit. But um the the main thing that I saw from him looking online was at the East-West Shrine Bowl, he, he got really high praise from Kyle Krabs from the Draft Network um, on his one-on-one matchups and drills at the Shrine Bowl. I mean, he was burning DBs. I was watching some of the tapes, and there wasn't a single DB that could keep up with him. But uh, Kyle Krabs said he was the most impressive wide receiver there. It's interesting because we saw Stephen Sims go undrafted from Kansas last year, sign to the Redskins, and make the most out of his opportunity. And now he expects to have a, a way bigger role next season. And I think Johnson is kind of in that same bucket. Undrafted slot receiver coming in. He's going to try to make the most of his opportunity. Um, but there's just, a, like I said, he has a lot to compete with. Um, and I mentioned with Isaiah Wright, you know, having to maybe compete with Latimer or even um, Darvin Kidsey depending on where they kind of want him to be. But I think a, a more of a matchup would be Jonathan Johnson versus Kinsey, um, for that final uh, slot spot. And, of course, we still have Trey Quinn, um, who I'm not high on at all. For some reason, uh, Redskins fans are still high on him. Um, but I think, you know, Sims has that spot locked up. You know, we haven't seen Trey Quinn since he got hurt, since he got that concussion against the Panthers, I believe it was. Um, so, big question mark there. We don't know what else to expect out of him. Um, but Jonathan Johnson's another guy. Like, you can't sleep on him. Like, these guys are all solid players. They have a lot of experience. They're not, you know, one or two year, you know, big hits and then just going to the league. Um, these are guys who were, you know, steady in production every season in college and, you know of course from Thaddeus Moss he had that one year but these these wide receivers especially but Jonathan Johnson and Isaiah Wright both were seniors you know had that production every year um, until you know Isaiah Wright fell off in the last season but these are guys that have experience they know what they're doing they can come in they're definitely going to be fighting for a spot like I said there's there's guys on here that we brought in cheap as free agents and Guys on the team that have been here previously, like Darvin Kinsey, that are going to have guys that they're going to compete with. And Cody Latimer is not 100% you know, shot to make the the roster, so don't be surprised if, if a guy like Isaiah Wright makes the team because of his ability to be on the kickoff returns and uh, also do some running plays. And then same with Jonathan Johnson. Don't be surprised if he's just a better slot receiver than uh, Darvin Kinsey. And we don't know what Trey Quinn you know, his, his uh, security looks like on the team. So it's going to be interesting to take a look at it, but I'm excited to see what training camp looks like. And like I said, I pray to God that we have it. I hope everything goes back to normal by then because that's what I always look for when I go to training camp is, you know, first team, second team, third team, these guys competing. You know, like I said, I can't wait to see Harmon versus AGG as the wire receiver battle. Uh, but then also some of these guys trying to make the roster cuts. I mean, we've seen year in, year out, some big catches made. We saw Harmon make some big catches last season. We've seen Cam Sims make some big catches at training camp. Um, It's just really exciting to see these guys put their talents out there and uh, just fight for that spot. So it's going to be big. I mean, these guys definitely have to compete, and I think, you know, offensive line also. But that tight end room is deep. But it's just going to be interesting to see these four guys, you know, I think, Montez lock as a practice squad quarterback I think you know, with Alex Smith coming off the books possibly at the end of this next season um, I think Thaddeus Moss is a guy that can make the active uh, roster just because of you know the role that he would play I think Isaiah Wright can make the team um, if a guy like Cody Latimer just doesn't pan out um, or just based off solely his um, availability on special teams and then I think Jonathan Johnson could be a guy that competes with Darvin Kidsey. Um, or also just be a practice squad guy um, that just puts in the work until his opportunity comes. So definitely interesting to watch and uh, keep an eye on these four guys and anything can happen. Um, but I think we you know, we kept it to an, a, a selected few because Ron just wanted these guys. There's no reason in signing a ton of guys and bringing them all in if we don't have the need or if we don't see them panning out. I mean, some teams sign like eight or ten guys, and I, and I guarantee you – five or six of those at least will be cut um, going into the final 53 roster. Uh, But don't forget, we do have, you know, this season, you can call up two extra practice squad guys um, to be active on game day. So it allows a guy like, you know, Daddy Smalls if he's on the practice squad or uh, Isaiah Wright if he's on the practice squad or Montez if, you know, an injury happens like, you know, Haskins can't play one game and you want to back up as liability or, Kyle Allen gets hurt in practice or something you want to call up Montez to be that backup if something happens on game day Then you're able to do so So don't be surprised if you know some of these guys end up on the practice squad And then you still see them come on game day So appreciate y'all tuning in it was a fun kind of breaking these guys down and a big shout out to the burgundy zone um, I just wanted to shout him out because he really does put a ton of work in You know breaking down tapes and I'm just doing these four guys alone was exhausting and I feel like that guy pushes out um, a player a day, which, I mean, it, it's hard work. So go follow his tapes um, and check out his uh, his threads on Twitter because it's good stuff. And honestly, I'd be lying if I said I don't, you know, take a look at him and help me kind of break down some players that I'm going to be talking about or talked about in the past on the podcast. So always respect the grind, respect anyone that kind of puts in that hard work. Um, and same with my guys at Full Press Coverage Redskins. Don't forget to follow them. I mean, we got a team full of writers and content providers. The Burgundy Bros Podcast just started up with my guys, uh, Steve and Rod. So big shout-out to them doing big things. Excited to see what they bring. So full press coverage, Redskins also as the other podcast. Uh, But super excited. Got some other things coming up. Like I said, some uh, player interviews and stuff like that. So stay tuned and HTTR.